Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Our hearts this morning, we're excited to be in worship, excited to be together, excited for a new day. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, we'll be reminded of your model for us. Your model as we walk through this life of what believers gathering together will look like. Not only what we'll look like, but how we'll act. And Lord, the goal, the mission that we have as we move out from this place. Lord, help us to focus our minds and our hearts, our ears, Lord, to your word. May we understand your plan for the church. That, Lord, we are just a home, a home base in which we go out from to share our faith, to gather together. A place, Lord, where we can build each other up, encourage each other, strengthen each other, hold and cry with each other. A place to do life together. But our goal is to serve you. Lord, may that be on our minds this morning as we prepare to look at your word, that you would help us to see where we are headed as a church and the church in which we are a part of. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture comes out, uh, there will be two passages this morning. Uh, We're going to start out in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Really, this is where the church begins, right? This is, this is the moment where uh, the church is beginning to organize to some extent. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Romans uh, chapter 12, 3 through 8. For by grace given me, me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ. We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with the faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, 
do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Yeah, I don't know where the sign is. The sign didn't come up. We have a sign somewhere that says, you may now run. I don't know where it's at, though. It's written all over your face. I know, run. Yeah, nobody else can run unless you're under whatever it is. Yeah. Do we have a uh, PowerPoint? Maybe. Maybe. Hey, we even got a sermon today. <laughs> if you have no clue what I'm telling you, I got all the way up here last Sunday to this spot, very spot, opened my Bible, or opened my thing, and there was no sermon. It was gone. I, I printed it and left it on the printer, and I forgot to get it off the printer, and then someone generously moved it for me off the printer out of their way, and was almost lost. So, Good morning. I, got, I do have to ask the question before we get started. Um, I asked a question last week, and no one, you know, all these people, no one had the answer. And you've had a whole week to Google it, and I hope that you have spent time wisely, spiritually, uh, thinking about this. So has anyone found out where their soul is? Rude. I gave you guys a whole week. To figure out where your soul is. And no one found out where their soul is. All right? Kind of right behind your eyes. Because when you get a migraine headache, you feel hurt everywhere. In your soul. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking for the month of July about our, our Baptist roots. And uh, it started out July 4th. And, we, and one of the things that you'll find out really quickly is that the Baptist mentality is uh, a lot about the freedoms that we enjoy. And, uh, and so that's why this has been up there every week, because that reminds me, we started out July 4th, it's going to be, we got one more week, be next week, uh, will be our last week, but we spent the whole month talking about what it means to be free, and free in our faith, and, and as I had told you before, this is not to say, well, everybody needs to be Baptist, right, if you're not Baptist, you're not a Christian, that's not what this is all about at all, this is about understanding who we are, and why we do what we do, and understanding that not everyone does it like us. And that's okay. Part of, part of the, the uh, thought process behind this sermon series was to help us understand that we don't do it like everyone else, and that's okay. But when we walk into a situation to, and have a chance to share our faith, if we think the person on the other side thinks exactly like we do, we're going to struggle. If we aren't open to understanding that they may have a different faith tradition, they may have a different faith understanding, they may do it differently, we will have a hard time. And, and quickly, uh, the, the, the discussion will disintegrate, will it not? So one of the things that we wanted to do for this month was to share uh, about our freedoms uh, as American Baptists. And this is the book I, I wanted to... I don't want them to think I'm stealing it, right? So the book is called The Baptist Identity. It's uh, Walter Sheridan. Uh, it's a good book, and it really does make it into four simple 
uh, thought process is uh, Bible freedom. You remember Bible freedom? That was two weeks ago. Does anybody remember being here two weeks ago? Yeah, Becky was here, if anyone else. We talked about Bible freedom, right, and being able to read the Scriptures and to ask the Holy Spirit to direct our path, to, to help us understand. That doesn't mean we're willy-nilly, we just jump around and we get to pick a Scripture, but, but rather that we understand that God speaks to us in an individual basis, that we understand that it's our right and our responsibility to understand Scripture, that means we have to dig in. If you're not digging in, you're never going to get there, right? You can't just hear what you hear on Sunday and just take it for granted. You need to dig into that scripture, understand for yourself where God is speaking. That's why a, a, a Bible, right, written thousands of years ago can still be alive and fresh and new, right? We, we talked about, you remember, remember, we talked about reading a scripture today that I've read a hundred times. And all of a sudden, something new happens in that scripture in my life. Something, for some reason, either where I'm at, usually is what happens, right? Where I'm at in life, that scripture now comes alive like it's never come alive before. I had read, I, I told you the story about Ephesians 4.1. I read that scripture lots of times. And then at that moment when I realized that God was moving me in my life, it really became apparent um, when it said, live your life worthy of the call. Up until that, it just, I just read it. It just didn't mean anything. But at that moment, it, it was like, okay, wait, there is a call on my life, and I need to live worthy of that call. And now it's all real sudden and scary and real. And it took me, and I told you, I'm a pretty simple guy. It took me four months to get through that. There's about two verses in there. And I, I mauled that over, and I, it plagued me for days. As I read it, I would read it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's a call on my life. So I need to let you guys know there's a call on your life as well. Right? That scripture wasn't just for me. That's for all of us. If you're a believer in Christ, there is a call on your life. What that looks like, I can't tell you. That's why we go to God one-on-one uh, -on -one and have that opportunity to understand where our call in life is. And then you have to live worthy of that. I know that's challenging. That's challenging for me. And then last week we talked about soul freedom. Do you remember that? And our right and responsibility to determine where we spend eternity. Do you remember that? We're not born into this faith. God has no grandparents. Remember, that's, this is the highlights, right? God has no grandparents or grandchildren. Yeah, you know what I, you, you know what, I was gonna say you don't not what I say, what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meaning that we are all required, we have a right and a responsibility to choose if we're going to follow Christ or not, right? And there's a responsibility on our part to make that decision. There's also a right to choose not to, which is challenging, uh, but we have that right, and we have to give others that right. So that if we witness to someone, remember this, we talked about this last week, if we have a chance to witness to someone and share the gospel with someone and they choose not to follow, that is their right. We don't have to like it, but we can remember what Paul said. Paul said sometimes uh, there's a seed planted, sometimes it's watered, and God's the one in charge of making it grow. You may remember that. So this week we're looking at church freedom. What does that mean? So we're going to do what we've done every week, which is do what Sheridan does, is, in, is try to uh, give us a definition. 
And this is, uh, says, local churches are free under Jesus Christ to determine their membership and leadership, to order their workship and work, to ordain whom they perceive as gifted, and to participate in the larger body of Christ as they see fit. So that's what we're going to look at today. Church freedom, the local church freedom. And so as we look at that, oh, whoa, that's really small. I can barely read that. Church freedom is, uh, is, a, is the, the freedom to follow voluntarily, to govern diligent or obediently, goodness, I can't even read my own, free to worship creatively and free to minister responsibly. So we're going to look at those four things. Veronica's the only one that can read it. Oh, maybe you guys can read about it. I can't see it. The back doesn't look, doesn't, that's even worse, right? So we have the right and freedom to follow voluntarily. Voluntarily. That means we are not born into our faith. That means just because you were born and you came to Greenfield Baptist the very first week, there are, there are some people who have spent their whole life at Greenfield Baptist Church. They were born and within a week or two they were brought here and they have never left. That's crazy. That's a long time. Ken, were you them? One of them, right? No, actually, I, I did a short Oh goodness, Ken, you were the one I was going to use as an example. Ah! Hey, there are others that are in my family that are. That are. <laughs> Some people are born into Greenfield Baptist Church, but we are not born into our faith. Just because your parents were believers in Christ does not mean that you were born into the faith. We must choose to follow. And this ch uh, church affirms that. You know how we, we do that? We have that membership class. You heard about that free lunch? You probably didn't hear about the membership class, but I'm sure you probably heard about the free lunch, right? Um, at 1230, we, we have this, uh, this opportunity to gather uh, together and to get some information to understand about membership, what that means. Well, the reality is this. Each person will, will need to make a decision to follow Christ, um, make a decision to be baptized. Those are, those are the requirements of the church. And we, and we look at those uh, at a little deeper level in this, uh, in this group where we get gathered together. Uh, it's a lot better. It's about two hours set up of, of just trying to understand that, looking at the scriptures that talk about that, uh, something we wouldn't be able to do right here, uh, but we have an opportunity to do there. And I want to encourage you that if that's something you want to do, you can jump in today. We, we, have, uh, we made sure we had... Uh, plenty of books made and uh, an, an opportunity to do that. And the other opportunity is that it asks, as allows us to ask questions, right, in a place where we wouldn't otherwise maybe get a chance to ask questions here. Um, so that's to this afternoon. See, because uh, I wanted to sh uh, share with you that, uh, and I know you know this, right, but uh, it's one of those days, Ken. The church is not a social club, Right? Social clubs do nice things for people. They, do, they, they raise funds. They do nice things. They, they work to try to help people. And if you look, we work to try to help people too, right? right? If we're not doing anything, then we're probably not doing much at all. There's a big difference, though. There's a real big difference. And the difference is this. Our goal is really simple. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go. 
Our goal is to go and share the gospel with people in our neighborhood, in our bigger neighborhood, in our state, in our country. Our goal is to share the gospel with people. Anything, any program, anything that happens or comes out of this church that doesn't reflect that is not of our goals. Think about that for a moment. It's what we use, uh, one of the things that we do in Christian Ed. It's one of the things that I, we always have talked about in Christian Ed is does this reflect Christ in some way? Does this bring people closer to the faith, to their faith? Does it open an opportunity to share our faith with someone else? And if it doesn't, it might be a great program, but it still doesn't fit with, our gospel, with, with the way we see it. In the scriptures that we are looking at this morning uh, in Acts, it says, uh, and I don't know about if you, you heard in Acts chapter 2, but that was the beginning of the church. And it says they, did every, they sold all their stuff, they lived together. I don't know, you guys all want to try this? Anybody, anybody want to sign up for uh, one year? One year, a free trial? We'll all move to the church parking lot? Wow, rude. Kenny, me and Kenny are going to do it. We'll last about a day. <laughs> no one wants to sign up, Ken. I don't know. Anybody want to try this? I mean, it's a crazy idea when I think about uh, the, world, the world we live in today. My mother-in-law, she's not here to defend herself. She wants to try this with our family. I just let, laugh and shake my head at her. She said we should have a compound, and I call her. I can't remember which one of those crazy people I call her, but. Uh, that's a silly idea, but that's what they did. All, it says all the believers in chapter in verse forty four. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes together, and and together they had glad and sincere hearts. Maybe that's where the problem lies, right? We would probably be challenged at that. It'd be ours would be mad and angry hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's something in there, in that model, that drew people to Christ. There's something in that model that people continued. It says they were added daily. People continued to grow and grow and grow. And there's something for us to be reminded in that. Maybe our, maybe our theme and maybe our li living together in life and community, um, we could learn something about the early church. The early church that always pointed, pointed towards Christ, and it, and it wasn't about them. If you sold everything you had and put it in the coffers of one place, and that's how you did life, you would probably do life a whole lot different than we do it nowadays. The second thing that uh, they that the Sheridan says is that we are uh, free to govern obediently. That means the local church makes the decisions for the local church first and foremost. That means we have a right to do that and a responsibility to do that. That means we don't look to someone else from some other place to make the decisions for our church. We make the decisions. Like when someone's going to be baptized, we don't send them somewhere else. We don't have them talk to someone else. When we talk about baptism and whether there was a decision of faith, what do we do? What does every person who has been baptized and is a member uh, do in this church? 
they go and they sit with the leaders of the church. And the leaders of the church ask questions and they discuss um, this, the decision that was made. And, and for the leaders of the church, we have to discern whether that decision was a, a legitimate decision and encourage their faith uh, in other ways, right? The second thing is that when we call a new pastor, this is about to happen. And I put this up here for one reason. August 10th, August 11th is candidate weekend. A young man by the name of Brentley Postelic will be here preaching on Sunday the 11th, both services. There is a dinner at 5.30 on the 10th. Church, you have a right and a responsibility to pick the person who will help lead this church for the foreseeable future. Please don't push that aside. Please don't make that less than it is. There are young people's lives. Think about this for one moment. There are young people's lives in this church whose faith hangs in the balance. This is not an assistant. This is, not an, this is a young man who is going to come here and share faith with the children of our church. Please don't take that lightly. If you are a member, whether you're a member or not, you're more than welcome to be involved in all of it. You, only, to, you have to be a member to vote on Sunday, but that doesn't mean you can't ask questions on Saturday night or Sunday before the vote. Please don't take that lightly. It's serious business, and you have a right and you have a responsibility. It'd be a shame if we didn't have a good turnout because we thought this was a done deal or that we didn't have any good questions. There are tons of questions that we can ask. Simple ones, hard ones, you pick. But we are going to call a new pastor, hopefully, that weekend. And I want to encourage you to think about what's important in your faith and ask this young man how, where he stands. He may not even agree with you in something, but you better know what he stands for before you vote. I tell you that because it's important. It's important to me. And it should be important to you as well. Understand this. Not all denominations do this. Right? In fact, I'd be, on, be honest, very few denominations do this. More often than not, a pastor is called by someone high up and placed in a position. And so we would be in this position, and they would say, here's your person, here's your name, and here's the date they'll be there. This is a privilege that we have as Baptists. We get a chance to, to uh, pick that person. But I would ask that you would pray between now and then, right? Because that's a big decision to make. Pray and pray and pray. Might be wanting to pray and fast. Come with some questions and be prepared to make a decision that God is leaning on your heart. It's important. The other thing we get to do as an American Baptist church is we get to partner with other churches in our association. If you don't know, we are, from, we are the Oil Creek Association. Uh, you may have heard the term ABCOPAD that's... Lots of letters for American Baptist churches of Pennsylvania and Delaware. Um, but we get to do some things with our brothers and sisters in Christ who we share like-minded ideas with, who we share the same 
polity with. They, they do things like we do things. And we know that they'll have an we'll have an opportunity to, uh, to work together. I'll share a bit about that here in a minute. Um, it's, uh, I, I wrote, I want to write, I want to talk about this just for a second. I wrote this note and I want to talk about it for a second. We don't think much about the idea that we make the decisions on a local level because we make them on a local level. But I worked in a place where we made the decisions on a local level when I started there. Every decision was made at the point where it needed to be made. As I worked there longer and spent more years there, Big Brother began to take over. And you can see the way of the world, the, the business world is that way now. And Big Brother was in Ohio. And so before I left, after 23 years, Big Brother was making all the decisions. When I started, we made decisions at that moment when it needed to be made. Uh, it was quick, and it was uh, the people who were in charge knew what they needed to do. If we needed to make a decision, uh, including termination, we did all of that stuff at the spot where it needed to be done. When I left, we were glorified uh, uh, just uh, people just passing the information back and forth. We had no longer, no longer were we able to take and make a decision. We had to ask someone who knew nothing about that situation, someone who knew nothing of the people in the situation, someone who knew nothing about what was really going on was making that decision. It is one of the blessings of the being American Baptist that we probably don't think much about. We think it's our Christian, it's just the Christian way. But it's not just the Christian way, it's the Baptist way. We make decisions here. Very rarely do we, we will ask as we go up the ladder, but very, very rarely do we, or we're never forced to, to make that decision. And we don't think much about that. We just kind of go through life and we're just like, yeah, that's how we do it, right? That's what we do. You realize that the whole congregation gets the vote. If you're a member of the church, that's the other thing that's a part of this. It's, it's kind of crazy, right? Uh, very rarely, a lot of churches have uh, a small group of people who might vote and bring that a pastor in or out. The next thing is we get to create or uh, get to worship creatively. You will find out, and I found out that no two Baptist churches are exactly alike. If you go to an American Baptist church, you're going to find something that either looks different or acts different or is represented a little bit differently. When you go to those churches, you're going to find that there's a unique part of that local church that's injected into that worship service, into the leadership. I, I'm amazed that we don't even do leadership the same from Baptist church to Baptist church to Baptist church. It's kind of the same, but it's never like actually exactly the same. And this allows us to use our unique gifts. Let's think about this for a moment. If we read that, we read that scripture that talks about each of us having a unique gift. All of us, have, have you ever thought about that? I'd love to somehow, I don't know how to do it logistically, that hurts my head. But wouldn't it be cool to take everybody in here and figure out what their gifts were and begin writing them on a piece of paper? Yeah, but, but it would be really challenging to do that today, wouldn't it? It would be a big piece of paper because all of us, everybody has, probably most all of us have more than one gift. 
But just think of all the things and gifts that we don't even know that other people next to us have or people that um, we don't know their background or we don't know their life experience. And so we don't even know those gifts. And this congregation is different than any other congregation in the world. We believe that God has given us unique gifts for each of us. This, this is a great, uh, this scripture that we're, we're looking at this morning talks about that, right? For each of us is one body, has many members, and those members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we though form one body, each of the members belongs to the other. We have different ways to do different things and different creative opportunities. This, uh, this past week we did the Roar on the Shore, uh, the, there were people here, there are no other roar on the shores where the, the parade goes by the church on Williams Road, right? We need to understand that. God give us a very unique situation where the parade went by our church and we had an opportunity to be connected with that. I'll give you another example. There's a car show. How, how many churches have you seen that have car show? It says car show, but it's actually car show slash tractor show slash dragster show, slash uh, rail car show. Only in, yeah. <laughs> who, has a, who has a track? That's unique, right? And for us, a unique way to share our faith with those in our neighborhood. Why? Because we have people who have very unique gifts in our church who love cars, who love hot rods, who build race cars, who build dragsters, not every church is loaded with people who build dragsters, right? That's, we, we, don't, we just assume that that's just normal, but that's not. It's very unique. And so we have an opportunity in September to minister to people, and I, and I was so impressed. The first year didn't work as well as it did last year, but the first year was, was good. But the second year was awesome because we had a prayer tent. And then we put someone with some one excellent gift. Her name is Liz Norman. And we said, Liz, and if you know Liz, I'm just gloating on her because I love her. But we said, Liz, we need you to go around and ask people what they need prayer for. Well, if you know Liz for more than like three minutes, you know that that's a gift of hers, right? She can do that. She'd do that anywhere. And so we said, Liz, we need you to do this. Or maybe she volunteered. She may have volunteered. It may have not even been asked. And we turned it into an opportunity to pray with people who were hurting, who brought their cars, who came to see what cars uh, look like, our neighbors who didn't plan any of that. We weren't in your face. We weren't shoving it down their throat. But we had an opportunity to share at that moment, to share who Jesus is in our life. And I know because I spent a couple hours talking to different people who had different struggles in their life at a car show. I don't know that that's normal for a car show. I've never been to a car show where I had that opportunity. And I want you to understand that because it's really unique, and I want you to, to be thinking about that. We have a person who's teaching, uh, helping people learn how to read. That's a gift they have. They've been trained, and they are good at it, and they're able to share how to help people learn how to read. And you know what happened? They heard in a sermon that they needed to share that with the rest of Greenfield and expand it even a little bit further. And they do that. Finally, we have a, uh, 
we are free to minister responsibly. We have a responsibility to preach the gospel. That is not just my job, and you all get a free ride. That's not how it works. We all have the responsibility to share the gospel. It's not my mission. It's all our mission. And you need to think about that. We all have that responsibility every time. It, it's kind of like, lets me off the hook, right? I got to do my part, but you got to do your part too. If I do my part and you don't do your part, shame on you. If you do part, your part and I don't do mine, shame on me. We all get to work at it together. There's a, um, the example I want to use is that we, we responsible um, this is uh, a trailer from the AB Men. I don't know if this is, I th- think this is the trailer, but um, the AB Men, and you may remember when Donnie uh, talked about it in, uh, during Father's Day, we built uh, trailers and we hauled those trailers to different places. Now, if every church had a trailer, we would be wasting a lot of resources because we don't need a trailer for every day of every week in every county. But what we have is, I think, two or three of these trailers that we're able to move from place to place, tragedy to tragedy, hurricane, whatever it is, we're able to move those. And so responsibly, we invest money into these trailers as a, an association, as our denomination, and we have a chance to share that with other people. Another example, and I'm, and I'm just going to ask because I ask every year, uh, you guys need to tell me where you're from. Because I never can remember. I don't know why, Josh. I don't know what it is. Must be too many. More than one word is confusing. And it's not First Baptist, right? Because if if you guys could just change your name to First Baptist, it would make my life a lot simpler. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just teasing. Tell me. Spring Spring Grove. So we have 17 people here today who are spending the week. So if if they're in your Sunday school class and it looks like uh, someone like moved in on you or moved your stuff, it's all good. It's a mission team who's here to share the gospel with, uh, with VBS kids. Uh, they'll be at Crossroads this week. They'll be doing some projects around here and some stuff uh, with Servieri, I just found out. Um, but there are 17 people here who are on a mission for God. And those are opportunities for us, Greenfield, to, to invite them in, to give them a place that's cool, not 100 degrees, right? <laughs> To be able to sleep at night, because that's important, so they're rested, so they can share the gospel in our neighborhood for the whole week. That's exciting. That should be exciting. If you get a chance this week to catch up with them, and they happen to be in the kitchen, or in the gym, or in the great room, wherever they're at, encourage them for the time that they've spent on a mission for God. I want to... Uh, I want to. This scripture uh, reminds me that um, we are all of the royal priesthood. If you're a believer in Christ, you are, we're all on the same footing. We're all equal. Not any one of us has a higher standing in God's eyes than another. The pastor just happens to have a different job, but it's not any higher. It's not any more important. I told this young man who's coming to candidate, you better... if. If you want to be here, you want to grab a shovel. When everybody else is in the hole, you want to jump in with them. You'll learn quickly that that's important, right? Because not any one of us has in the job more or less important. In God's eyes, if we're believers in Christ, we are all on equal ground.
If someone's cleaning, we help them clean whatever it is. We keep that in our minds. And finally, where Jesus reminds them that uh, they're no longer servants. Once you become a follower of Christ, you're no longer a servant, you're a friend. There's a difference there, right? There's a worker versus a friend mentality. And Jesus says, listen, you wouldn't have known all the stuff that you knew if you were just a servant. But once you've made a decision to follow me, you are now my friend. And we're connected in a different way. A child of God. I don't know if we sang that today. I keep thinking we did, but I'm not sure why I keep thinking that. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you have have not made that step of faith, if you have not made a decision to follow after Christ, you're the servant. You're just the worker, right? We, we still, we want you to come and we want to be involved, but there's a real different step of just being a part of the church and being a part of the family of God. And that's a big step. And here's the difference. Eternity is the difference. If you're going to follow after Christ, he says, you got to drop everything else and follow after me. There'll be some burden, but there's burden on either end. He says, if you don't know who I am, if you haven't called upon me, if you haven't brought, come into my, if I haven't come into your life, then you're just the servant. Once I come into your life, now you are a friend, a family member, the royal priesthood. And this morning, as we prepare to sing, we'll be praying and sing, and there'll be an opportunity for you to come to the altar. And um, I just want to offer that. Uh, a new life. And it's exciting to me. That's exciting to me to think about a new life in a new direction serving our God. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning and we're so thankful and gathered together that, that Lord, we have the opportunity of a lifetime. An opportunity to bring our struggles, our pains, our, our cares and concerns of the world to you. You hear us and you love us. Lord, we offer the altar this morning as an opportunity to right the wrongs. Lord, we all have sinned. Not any one of us is any different than another. You don't gauge sin by how bad it seems or looks. Sin is sin. And you don't leave us hanging in that area, you allow us to, to make a change that will change our life. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning and we are thankful for eternity. Thankful for the reminder that, Lord, we can have a life uh, with you uh, in the king's court. That we can be that royal priesthood. We can be connected in that way. What an exciting moment it is, Lord. I pray for anyone who hasn't made that decision this morning who hasn't given you a try, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage their heart to step out in faith to give you a chance to work in their life. In your name we pray. Amen.